Hello friends and welcome back to the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast shares conversations, practices, and inspiration for returning home to your true self. I'm Sarah Elaine Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher working mostly online using the traditional practices of yoga along with modern technology to help you create more ease and joy in your life. Hey friends, I want to share a couple of quick announcements at the top of the show. The first is that I have a really cool online workshop coming up on New Year's Day that I'm offering through Adosa Wellness Online. It's called a collective ritual for hope in the new year. It will include some gentle movement, guided meditation, all with the goal of creating hope and focus for the new year. I feel like 2024 is going to be an important year for us to focus on the work we're here to do while limiting distractions. And I'm really hoping that this special class will create the space you need to figure out what your hopes are for 2024 and what your part to play is in bringing those hopes to fruition. As always, if you'd like extra support around this, I want to remind you of my online therapeutic yoga membership, Homecoming. In light of the economy and inflation, instead of raising my prices, I've made the rather bold move to recently create a sliding scale starting at just $25 a month in order to make the membership as financially as accessible as possible. And Homecoming isn't just a library of recordings, although it certainly is that. We also delve into a topic each month and you get support from me with regular emails, a curated playlist, and a live class each month, as well as direct email access to me, your own yoga therapist. I'm always asking in the emails for people to to provide feedback, to join the conversation. If you join the membership in December or January, I'm also offering a free one-on-one Zoom check-in with me. So information about both the New Year's Day class and the homecoming membership can be found in the show notes. Today, I am excited to welcome back psychotherapist Kristen Genzano to the podcast. Today, we'll be talking about people-pleasing. And I'm so glad that this topic coincides with the month of December, a time when I feel like many of us may overextend ourselves energetically and or financially in order to make others happy. In this conversation, Kristen helped me understand the evolutionary purpose of people-pleasing, the different reasons people have for engaging in people-pleasing, some of the negative effects of people-pleasing, and some ways to notice and then create boundaries in order to begin reducing people-pleasing tendencies. This is such a rich conversation. At the end of it, I'm going to share a few of my key takeaways. So stay tuned even after our conversation ends. 
So Kristen Genzano runs a small group psychotherapy practice based in Portland, Oregon, called North Star Therapy Collective, which is dedicated to holding a compassionate and non-judgmental place for women to talk through the unique challenges they face in their lives. Kristen attended Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, where she completed advanced training in mindfulness and behavior therapies and specialized in working with survivors of childhood sexual trauma. In addition to her work as a psychotherapist, Kristen is a mindful self-compassion teacher. Hey, Kristen, welcome back to the Homecoming Podcast. I think you might be my first repeat guest. I'm so happy to have you. Oh my gosh, I, that is amazing. I'm like tickled. <laughs> my heart just got really full. I'm so happy to be here and be back with you. And I'm really, really excited about where I think this conversation might go today. Yeah, so we're here to chat about people-pleasing. And I didn't realize until somewhat late in my life that I was a people pleaser. And I suspect that some of the listeners may either may have not heard the term or may not identify with the term. So I thought if maybe we could start with just kind of a basic understanding, like what's a people pleaser? Mm, yeah. Well, first I, I will share that I also didn't know I was a people pleaser mm-hmm. until a little bit later in life. And, um, excuse me, I think that your question of just like, how do we even define what a people pleaser is, is is really important. And I think of it, I think most easily is if you're somebody who tends to put the needs of others or the desires of others above your own needs, then you might be a people pleaser. It's not like a one-to-one ratio. Like if you put others' needs before your own, you're definitely a people pleaser, but it, it's an indicator that you might be mm-hmm. a people pleaser. I think that's the great place to start if you're interested in sort of like, huh, is this me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think of it too, sometimes as, um, not wanting to disappoint people. Could that, mm-hmm. could that be part of that definition? Without a doubt. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that when we, so like, if we think about, I tend to put other people's needs or desires ahead of my own, the next layer down can be that exploration of why. And it Mm -hmm. might be the why for you or for me might be, I don't want to disappoint people. The why for someone else might be, I'm afraid I won't belong. The why for someone else might be, I don't know a different way because this has been ingrained in me since childhood. Right. So Mm -hmm. there can be different whys, I think, and not wanting to disappoint is definitely one of the the drivers, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering um, the benefits of people pleasing or like, you know, why does, why does people pleasing come about? Yeah. It's such a good question. And it's such an important question. Cause I think before I answer the why I'm going to just take a moment to say, like, I think that it's really important that we don't, um, like shame this, 
this mm. sort of like group of like those of us that are people pleasers or maybe who have struggled with people pleasing or have seen it show up in our lives at various times. It's really important to understand that there is an evolutionary, an evolutionary benefit mm-hmm. to people pleasing. And um, this comes in if we think about like all the way back to when we were hunters and gatherers and there was a necessity to cooperate. We had to cooperate with the other people in our group in order to survive, right? Like if you were somebody out there on your own trying to survive against the saber to tiger or whatever, you don't stand as good of a chance at survival as the group that has, you know, come together mm-hmm. and is participating in survival as a group. And so sometimes I, I really do believe that in, in order to cooperate, like this kind of um, skill, I guess, of pleasing others, it, it, it sort mm-hmm. of, it develops. And I think the challenge is that it's just like any other coping mechanism that gets like overused. Once it's overused, it starts to become problematic. So, mm. you know, we have this kind of like evolutionary starting point, but if we bring it to more current times, let's just imagine in your family, um, there was some turmoil, there was some discord. And in order for the family to function in a way that it continued to, to sort of be as minimal amount of rockiness as possible, maybe you as the child just started to learn to, oh, if I cooperate, if I just do whatever everybody else needs, then we maintain status quo, I survive, and this family unit survives. So Mm -hmm. kind of a two-part answer to your question, but hopefully that's clear. And I'm happy to clarify if anything is not clear. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Well, it it leads me right into my next question. Are we born people pleasers or are we (laughs) raised and socialized to become people pleasers? (laughs) Uh, Yes, both. (laughs) Okay. That would would be my answer. I think we're all born with um, a predisposition for cooperation, right? For, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, that kind of um, survival drive to cooperate and to belong um, belonging is so important. And, um, so that's there, that foundation is there. And then it can be reinforced through family systems, through, um, uh, other kind of institutions and organizations. Um, and also if you had an early childhood kind of attachment wound, what I mean is like, maybe something that happened in your life that made you feel insecure in your right to be part of a group that Mm -hmm. also is kind of like a a bit of a predisposition that um can contribute to the likelihood that you might find yourself out to be a people pleaser Mm -hmm. yeah and then and then I'm just gonna throw this out there I feel like people who are raised as girls maybe is it possible we are a little bit more encouraged to be people pleasers? Yeah, absolutely. For (laughs) sure. Yes. Um, Society, right? So that's, I'm so glad you bring that up Sarah, Mm -hmm. because I didn't mention kind of the societal piece. Like there are um, norms and structures that absolutely reinforce 
particularly for people who are raised as girls to accommodate and to please and to not do something or say something that might make Mm. someone else feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Thank you. So I work with um, a lot of people, many people who might describe themselves as burnt out or overwhelmed. I also think that's kind of in the air these days. Absolutely. Can you, do you see a link between burnout and exhaustion and people pleasing? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's another really good question. I love your questions. You have oh, really good you. questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely see a link between burnout and people pleasing. And I'll try to explain the way I think about it. Um, so if, if you're moving through life and you are continuing to focus on what other people might need or want from you, you are like it's likely that you're making decisions that might not align with your own values Mm. or you're making choices that don't mm, sort of create an opportunity for you to be filled up I know that term is like it's Mm -hmm. used a lot like have you is your own cup full make sure your cup is full before you give to others even the sort of like put your own mask on you know right there's a lot of this language and it's really helpful in understanding this but I think why I'm bringing it up now is because it I think the the link is that if we tend to prioritize consciously or unconsciously other people's needs then we tend to be neglecting our own and mm-hmm. when we neglect our own needs, that that cup is basically like leaking. It's like it's emptying out whether we're mm-hmm. intending for that to happen or not. And it's likely not getting filled up in any way, not from others and not from ourselves because our energy and our attention is going to like making sure other people are okay, making other pe- making sure other people's needs are met. Um, making sure other people feel comfortable mm-hmm. potentially um, to our own detriment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I answer the question? Yeah, I think you did. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense that if we're just, if we're giving and, and just all that attention focused outwards, then of course, yes, that's going to burn. We're going to burn out. Um, we're not filling, we're not taking care of our own needs. Similarly, I also see people with anxiety and chronic pain. And I'm curious if you're seeing, if you see any connection there. Mm. Really good question. Yeah. Um, That's a really great question. So I can speak to the anxiety piece because I work with people who experience anxiety. I don't have a personal practice working with people who experience chronic pain. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak to that part um, Mm -hmm. because I don't have the, you know, the experiential knowledge to support what I would say. But in terms of anxiety, um, yeah, I think 
of course, it's going to differ person to person. Um, everybody's experience of anxiety is different. It's unique. Mm -hmm. The again, we kind of go back to the why, like the source of the anxiety is going to differ from person to person. But for a lot of people, anxiety can be about um, almost like um, an uncertainty of like, again, belonging, like, so I'm feeling anxious about XYZ interaction, because I'm not sure how I'm going to be received. Mm. I'm not sure if I belong in this situation. If we think about social anxiety, um, I'm not sure what someone else is going to think about me. And so maybe the impulse is to, uh, again, kind of adapt to what the situation might need, adapt to what the other person might need. Mm -hmm. And then continue to kind of reinforce that, that, okay, I have to keep doing this thing when I, when I feel anxious, because I'm unsure of how this interaction is going to go or the situation is going to go. I need to keep doing this, this thing, which is like turning to what other people need or accommodating other people's needs in order to be okay in the situation. Mm -hmm. So that's exhausting. I mean, I can yeah. feel in my body right now, just as I'm talking about this with you, like, oh man, I can feel the exhaustion in my body just thinking about and talking about what it's like to orient to others so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. My, my own lived experience is is only with anxiety, not with chronic pain, but there's so much connection, um, in, in the brain science between the two that I suspect there's probably, there's probably a similarity there as well with, um, with people pleasing and chronic pain, but, but I haven't, I haven't read anything about that or, or, um, heard anything about that. So it was just, mm -hmm. just a little thought I had. Yeah, I'm super, I'm, I'm so happy you're bringing it up because I think it'd be a really interesting yeah. um, question to kind of study. I want, I want to know more about that. Like, is there a connection there? Cause my mind is like, logically, yeah, there would be. Yeah. And, and let me say, and I know you agree with this, certainly not saying like we're bringing on our own anxiety or chronic pain no, no. by our own behaviors. <laughs> Thank you for naming that. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yes. And that's yeah. important to say out loud. Yes, for sure. Mm. I wanted to share with you a somewhat embarrassing story <laughs> from my own life. So, so um, I came to yoga therapy via working with a yoga therapist, you know, seeing, seeing a yoga therapist one-on-one -on -one for many years. And, um, that is probably where I, I realized I had this little people pleasing, um, in me. And one of the, one of the little tasks she gave me, she offered me, which is so embarrassing to think about. Um, and I think it's tied to people pleasing was when I, when I went to the grocery store, like, if I wanted to get five bucks back, you know, that's easy. You just type it in. But sometimes like what I really wanted was bus fare. Like I really needed five ones or four ones and four quarters. And I was 
unable to ask for that. And so she offered me, you know, the, the activity of like, just going in and asking for the change you wanted. There was this like thinking in my head that I was like really inconveniencing the checker by like asking for these needs and, um, and how much easier it was for me to practice that on a person I didn't know and had no connection with. And so I just, I want to share that story. I want to share it with the, with you, but also with the listeners. And I'm wondering, do you have, do you have little ideas of like, how, how do people kind of work on people pleasing, Mm -hmm. work on letting go of some of it? Mm -hmm. Well, first, I really want to thank you for sharing that story. And I I'm sure that many people can relate to what you shared. So really thank you very much for being vulnerable and tolerating maybe mm-hmm. that feeling of embarrassment that's coming up for you. And I thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're, the question is really good. And I, I think what you're highlighting is this, mm, this thing that happens often with not wanting to, or it's not even not wanting to, I should, I should clarify, I should use more like direct language around that. It's this thing that happens with in an interaction with others, sometimes this person A's needs and person B's needs are going to be Mm. at odds they're not right they're not going to be um on aligned I guess right and yeah that may be reality or that might be a perception like you're describing in this interaction like the checker might not have checker might have had too many quarters and and needed to get rid of them and actually was helpful that you were asking for what you needed right (laughs) but either in reality or in perception there's this thought that my needs are going to inconvenience someone else's needs. And what can happen with those of us who lean towards people pleasing is we say, I don't want the other person to feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to just push my own needs down so that that other person doesn't feel uncomfortable. But what we're also doing is allowing ourselves to not feel uncomfortable by asking for what we need Mm -hmm. or avoiding our own discomfort as well. And we say in the service of this other thing, and that is true. It's not an either or, it's a both and. But I think it's important for us to notice that we're also avoiding our own discomfort. Mm. And so what you did through this yoga therapy offering was allow yourself to experience and tolerate discomfort. And I think your point that it's with a stranger that makes it a little bit more tolerable than like somebody who, you know, more closely, or even like a very close person, mm-hmm. um, family member, or very close friend. Um, it's a little bit more tolerable because you, you probably don't have to see them again. You don't have to actually know what their experience was. There's no relationship to work through and thing. So to get to answering your question, yeah. I think that 
these kinds of, if, if you're somebody who struggles with asserting your own needs because you're worried about um, making someone else feel uncomfortable or inconvenienced, what your yoga therapy teacher offered was exactly what I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Start with very kind of, I was going to use the word small, but I know it doesn't feel small, so I don't want to invalidate that, but yeah. I guess start where you're at. Like, what can you do in terms of like an interaction like that, that feels uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable that you're going to feel overwhelmed by it and end up shutting down, but uncomfortable enough so that you're in that like zone where you can start to grow and start to exercise mm-hmm. a new muscle of like, Oh, okay. I can actually ask for what I need. I can tolerate my own discomfort in that. And the other person's fine. So again, it's going to be different for everybody, but it might be asking for change. It might be speaking up at a restaurant. If you got the wrong thing, when you ordered, you know, X, Y, Z, and you got ABC, it might be, um, you know, someone, someone misheard you about something, something you said and you correct it. Right. Mm. And, and so if, there might be some listeners or some people who are like, oh yeah, I can always like correct my order at a restaurant, but can you correct a misunderstanding with a friend? Mm-hmm. If they misunderstood what you were sharing, can or is that where you need to start with that kind of practice of saying, I really think you were trying to hear what I was saying, but, but I don't think you understood. Can I try that again? Right. And that's, again, asserting your needs and tolerating the discomfort of that. Does that make sense? Very long answer. <laughs> yes. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I, I had not taken the discomfort idea into consideration at all. And that I feel like that was like a little mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, yes, there, there's that. I don't, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Um, and also just that, um, the acknowledgement that yes, sometimes our needs are not exactly what the other person's needs are. And sometimes that's real. And oftentimes in my case, it's perceived. It's like, I'm assuming this is what this person wants or needs. Um, which actually, actually flows into, um, resentment. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I notice sometimes when I am when I'm really using that people pleasing muscle, what happens is then eventually that it turns into like some resentment on my part. Um, and I feel like it has something to do with not setting my boundaries. Um, again, oftentimes trying to please people that I don't even, I don't even know that that's what they want. Like I'm making things up in my head, what they might want. So, um, Yeah. So for me, so what I was going to say is for me, it helps, like, ideally I don't get to the resentment, but it is for me a flag where I can be like, oh, I've been, I'm doing that. I'm doing that again. Um, Are there other, other things that people might watch for to be like, because I think some people don't realize that they're doing it or how often they're doing it. Are there other, other things that might be flags that people notice like, Oh, there it is. I just did mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great question. It's a great question, right? Because what we're talking about, how do we maybe first identify that this is 
is um, a sort of behavior, a pattern I engage in. Okay, so now I notice mm-hmm. I, I engage in this like people-pleasing behavior. How do I notice when it's happening? That's kind of the next step. And then mm-hmm. the next, the last step is, okay, how do I do something differently when I'm experiencing this, right? So we're kind of talking about that middle yeah. step now of, mm-hmm. okay, how do I notice it when it's happening? And I think that you named a really important one, which is subtle though, the resentment, right? Because um resentment can happen in a single exchange but it can also build and so sometimes that little pebble of resentment that is so easy to brush aside Mm. is the first the first of the building blocks that get us to the point where we're actually aware that we're that we're resentful about a situation and I loved what you said like you try to you try to live your life so that you're not getting to resentment which means you're in some sort of practice of noticing those pebbles as they are Mm -hmm. happening. Um, So I would just really encourage people to try to start to notice that little pebble of resentment. And it might, there's, it's going to be different for everyone, but there might be little indicators either in your thoughts, in your body, or in the emotion that arises. So I think a good example of this could be like, in partnerships or like even like roommate situations, I think it's easy to talk about dishes, (laughs) right? So (laughs) maybe, I don't know, for some reason, this is something that most people can relate to. It's like the dishes and the thing. So you might have an experience where you and this other person have an agreement about who's going to take care of dishes. And there might be a day where the other person had a really long day. And so you just hop in and you take care of the dishes and you don't say anything and you feel genuinely that comes from a place of like giving and kindness and that feels good. And then that might happen again a week later and you might start to notice that the feeling like mm-hmm. the the emotion is one of like, uh, this again, right? Like, well, that's, that's more of a thought. Like you might have the thought oh, mm-hmm. this again, the feeling might be like, kind of like a, like a exhale or, you know, yeah. just, you might feel in your body a tiny bit more tension or maybe you notice that like you're washing the dishes a little more aggressively, right? So there's these little indicators that can say, hmm, something doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of generosity and and kindness. And that's the indicator that maybe this is something that I need to start to pay attention to so that I can speak up about it and say, you know, hey, I know we have this agreement. I know you have these long days. Can we readjust the agreement or whatever the case might be? Yeah. I think the other thing that you already asked about burnout, that's another really good mm-hmm. indicator that mm-hmm. that um, we're kind of on this path of people pleasing that might not be serving ourselves, right? So that's another difficult one to catch because we, we tend to really notice it once it's so big. And so, um, again, I think really, I know it's general, but if you can try to pay attention to your thoughts, the emotions, and then the physical feeling in the body, one of those three is going to give you an indication that this is something that doesn't quite align with what you need. Yeah. Thank you. And I I think that's a beautiful um, plug for yoga. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what we do when we practice yoga. (laughs) Yes. 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 And of course 
that's why I've gotten better, slowly better at it (laughs) over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're paying attention, you're noticing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I just, I find it amazing that what just starts with maybe noticing, you know, your left side, my left side versus right side in a shape, then like can kind of snowball into noticing those little pebbles of resentment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process. It is a process. It is. And yoga is such a good tool. Yeah. Such a good tool. Yoga and meditation both. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Kristen, this has been a really good conversation. I want to offer you space if you have anything else to say about people pleasing, anything that maybe you had thought of that you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to. And then I also would love to hear about what you've got coming up. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, I think the only thing I might just want to add in terms of people pleasing as a topic. And I think we kind of touched on it, but I didn't, I didn't say quite enough is around boundaries. Mm. You mentioned that. And I, I think I went off on a different path, but um, boundaries are, you know, I love that there's more talk about boundaries these days. Like I feel, I sort of remember five years ago, boundaries were this sort of elusive Thing that nobody really talked about and we didn't know what we meant and I do think that's still happening like there is a lot of hmm, I don't know confusion or just uncertainty about what it means to have a boundary set a boundary why do I need a boundary um, but as it relates to people pleasing I think the way I think about boundaries is that it's kind of when we set a boundary In order to set a boundary, we need to have an awareness of what we need. So if I'm going to set a boundary in this situation, I have to know what it is that I need, what my limit is in this interaction, what my bandwidth is. I have to know that. And in order to know that, I have to have some attention on me and not just attention on you, not just attention on the other person, right? And so the more we can continue to notice our own needs and then lean into the practice of letting those needs be as important as the other person's needs, Mm -hmm. and then Stating those needs, that's where I'm sort of making this like sweeping motion with my arms, like a, like I'm holding a ball or something, because there's this like stating the needs is the part where you're, where you're setting the boundary. You're saying, here is what I need. And that's my limit. That's where my ability to be in this interaction ends. And so it's, I think, really hard for those of us that have a tendency to people please to first even notice what our needs are to name them and then to set a boundary around that. I mean, this is hard, this is hard work, but I think that the more we can get, the more we can tolerate the discomfort of setting boundaries to honor our own needs, the more we're going to naturally 
walk back from that people pleasing tendency, Mm -hmm. the less resentful we're going to feel and the less burnout we're going to experience. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the space to add. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So where can, where can people find you and tell us about a couple things you have coming up? Absolutely. So I have a, uh, what I'm calling a boutique group therapy practice, mm-hmm. it's a small group therapy practice. Um, it is headquartered in Portland, Oregon, and uh, we do virtual therapy um, in a few different states. We have some clients in Washington, Colorado, um, as well as Oregon. Um, and the name of that practice is North Star Therapy Collective. It used to be Kristen Genzana Therapy, but we just last month changed the name and I am so thrilled about it. I am really excited about the collective nature of the name. And so that's where one place you can find me and find some other therapists who are like-minded. So North Star Therapy Collective and the website is the same, NorthStarTherapyCollective.com. Um, in addition, I, um, I'm a mindful self-compassion teacher. We talked about mindful self-compassion the last time I was invited to have a conversation with you here. And, um, as timing would have it, we have a, a course, the mindful self-compassion course that, uh, was originated by Chris Benef and Chris Germer. Um, I'm teaching that with my co-teacher beginning February 9th of 2024, And that's through a meditation studio also located in Portland, Oregon called Pause. And they're hosting it, but it is an online offering. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's interested in joining anywhere is able able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's great. And we will, we'll have the link to that um, in the, in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. And then you have one other thing we'll link to. Do you want to mention that? And then we'll get the the details in the show notes. Absolutely. Yes. So I am, I'm so excited. I've been invited to lead a workshop for um, a a collective called Fruition, which is for entrepreneurs. And it's a free workshop that's going to be taking place in January. I believe it's free. That's going to be taking place in January. And um I'm going to be talking about self-compassion for um, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs mm. and people who are um, sort of in that business space and how do we integrate self-compassion in our work. To Wonderful. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be putting that on my calendar for sure. Mm. Thank <laughs> you, Sarah. I'll be excited yeah. to have you there. Yeah. All right. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. I, I learned a lot and yeah, feel really good about our conversation and sharing it with others. Thank you so much for, for having me and thank you for doing this work. I, it's just so important. And I know in my heart, you are touching so many lives. So thank mm-hmm. you for continuing to show up for yourself and for all of us in this way. It's, it's very admirable. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. You're welcome. So as promised, I just want to wrap up by sharing a few of the key takeaways that I got from this conversation. People-pleasing has an evolutionary purpose that in modern days is sometimes used as a coping mechanism, and that's when it might become an issue. When we neglect 
our own needs and comfort in favor of the needs and comfort of others, we might suffer from burnout, exhaustion, increased anxiety, and resentment. Sometimes we might actually be using people-pleasing as a way to avoid our own discomfort with creating boundaries and stating our needs. Yoga and meditation are wonderful tools to begin to notice when you've fallen out of alignment with your own needs and are moving into people-pleasing. Thanks so much for listening to the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast is brought to you by the Homecoming Online Therapeutic Yoga Membership, where we put a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast into practice. If you'd like to read more about the Homecoming Membership or join, the links are in the show notes, where you'll also find links for my guest and a link to the New Year's Day practice. I'll see you next time.